Welcome to the podcast, No Hesitations. I am your host, Jade Joyner. This is a podcast about entrepreneurs, business guides, gurus, for people who love, own, and run business. Today, I'm really excited to have in studio Greg Garcia of Garcia Hassler Tax Group. Greg is a CPA and tax attorney. He is also one of the most magnetic people I've ever met. When you go in and talk to Greg about your finances or your taxes, it's an experience. He has a big, beautiful, sculptural motorcycle in his office. Um, One of his big passions is motorcycling. He calls it wind therapy. And you don't feel like you're a number, just someone that is going in to sign a form and write a check. You are his client. You are part of his world. And it's an incredible time when you're with Greg. He's also brilliant. And he is helping us with our business and our personal taxes and finances. And we're really proud to be one of his clients. In studio today, he's going to share some of his fantastic, amazing stories, and I hope you will really enjoy this podcast with Greg. We're really excited to have you here today in our studio, Greg Garcia, and we'd like to know about, you know, you, your firm, what you do, where you're from. So let's start with the easy stuff. Okay. Where are you from? I'm from New York City. Okay. Parents from Cuba. I'm a first generation American. Parents came here in 1949 to New York. And that's where I was born and raised. I was 17. Then we moved to the southernmost tip of New York, otherwise known as Miami Beach. Right. And then I went to the University of Florida. And then I went to the University of Georgia Law School. Oh, you did? Yes. And that's how you ended up here? Yeah. Then after that, all my job offers were in Miami because I speak Spanish. And when was that? 1980. Okay. To 82. We moved back up July 1st of 82. 37 wow. years ago. Wow. Right? Do you miss you New York? Even 37. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like it. Um, no, you probably aren't even 37. Oh, me? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm 40. I'll oh, be okay. 41 okay. in a month, okay. but yeah. You're just a toddler. <laughs> <laughs> so do you miss New York at all and being in the nope. North? No. Nope. I hate big cities. Yeah. I, I like visiting them, yeah. you know, for all the cultural stuff, but they're so expensive and so um, crowded, and New York especially is smelly it's dirty the people are so unfriendly it's it's just a the last time i took my wife up there i said this is the last time we visit new york I, wow I, I hate new york city now where is she from she's from palaca florida okay which is in the country and she was raised there it's 30 miles inland from the coast mm-hmm. so she spent a lot of time at um St. Augustine Beach, and there's another beach, just Crescent Beach. Okay. And uh, went to the University of Florida on a track scholarship, and that's where we met. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so. Nice. Um, and y'all have been married. 40 years. Just celebrated your 40th. 40th in June. Right. And we dated for almost four, so I was like 20, I was 21. She was 19. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. There's nothing like hearing a story of a long-term marriage And we still like each other. I love that. I love that. It's <laughs> still like being together. That's great. Yeah. Still, I'm still in love, actually, with her. That's wonderful. Yeah. I love it. What's the secret to that? Oh, good question. <laughs> Very good question. Well, you know, uh, to be honest with you, we are part of a church, and mm-hmm. we, that's a very important part of our lives. And in this church, we also um, help advise each other and, and counsel each other, you know, in marriages, things like that. And we hold to a standard to the Bible. And if it wasn't for that, because she and I are so bullheaded, can't agree on what day it is sometimes. Uh, and, and we wouldn't have not made it past seven, eight, nine years. With some good counseling, counseling from the church and yes. support and of your foundation, church. Yes. You know, a standard. And, and, you know, you learn how to say I'm sorry. You uh, both absolutely. learn how to say I'm sorry. Yeah. You learn how to really mean it. You know, say it like that's, you mean it. That's a big deal. Yeah. And, you know, I've learned from, you know, my perspective, if I start a conversation, especially with my husband, who's also my business partner, if I start a conversation with saying, I'm sorry, I overreacted, or I'm sorry, you know, I said the wrong thing, immediately Deflates. it diffuses that's the situation. Right. That's right. Yeah. So that's that would be one of your your pieces of advice that's for one. marriage. Yes, and another one would be to really work on your marriage um, all the time, dates and things like that. And something I, you know, this may sound corny, but something I started doing when I went to private practice, I decided that I will not go to lunch, dinner, or drinks with a woman 
unless it was a group, mm -hmm. or it was my mother, mm -hmm. who was alive then, or my wife, or my daughter. I've heard this before. Yeah. And Just to I avoid all... All appearance and, yeah. and, and avoid any over too much emotional connection. You know, we spend right. time every week going to lunch and after a while you're telling each other the things that are bugging you about your spouse and, mm -hmm. and where you know it, you fall in love with that person. So right. I've, I've seen too many people do that and I said, I don't want to ever see that happen. I've life. heard that several times in, yeah. in my life um, that people, especially men, will just avoid, you know, going, even stepping into that path, you know, yeah. stepping, yeah. stepping into that situation. Oh, you've heard other men do Yes. This? Yeah. Great. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, for sure. Fantastic. And especially um, church going men. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, and I think that's a good thing to do. Yeah. I'm sorry, this is, may not be a popular opinion, but a lot of times women are the predators and women will go after men, especially successful men. And so, I mean, I, I understand that whole theory and I think it's really, really smart. I'm sure your wife appreciates it. She does. Yeah. In fact, she ran into, ran into a woman as a client of mine who told her we had this really awkward situation because I was having lunch with her and her husband and I walk into the restaurant and her husband's not there. I went. Oh, oh no. where's Bruce? <laughs> like, oh, if you, if you don't have to eat, you know, she, and then that, that afternoon she saw my wife and said, oh, this is the funniest thing. So Greg was so freaked out. <laughs> so we had lunch, but I was like, man, this is not, I don't do this. <laughs> That's so funny. Okay. So you've been married 40 years and when did you go into private practice? When did that, this all happen? Were you all married? We must've yes, been married at that point. We got married the, my last year of law school Okay. because she graduated in June of 79. So we got married like the day after. Got married the day after I graduated. The day after she graduated from college, we got married. Wow. And then I had a, a year left in law school, so we came up here, lived in married housing, mm -hmm. old married housing. Yep. My wife worked for the law library. We had one car. Wow. So that worked out really well. And we had, we, that married housing was complete with Kmart furniture and, you know, it was just a two rooms. Right, right. <laughs> and then all my job offers were in Miami because I'm bilingual. This right. is before, you know, Miami became this big international city. So um, they all, I had like five offers. So we moved to Miami, hated Miami, worked for two years because it was a, a CPA firm, an international CPA firm. And to get your CPA license in Georgia, you had to, at the time, have two years experience. So I had passed the Florida bar, Georgia bar, CPA exam, and I, I wanted to have my license when I came here. So I said, I worked for two years and two weeks and I quit. Wow. And then I came up here to join a former law professor okay, who has died gosh, 15 years ago. And uh, he was young too, he was 54. And, um, and he had, he claimed he had a great opportunity for me. And I said, great, you know, and I came up and found out that he didn't have much. And uh -oh. we, I had to hustle, <laughs> right. I had to work hard. Right. To build your clientele and... Yeah, I was terrified. Yeah. <laughs> I'm terrified. Yeah, and how old were you at this point? 28. Okay, okay. And I looked like I was 18. Right. And I would go to the store and people would say, oh, you at the at the university? And I go, no, ma'am, I'm, I'm a lawyer. He said, oh, you must be like Doogie Hauser. <laughs> I said, no, <laughs> I'm 28. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, so he came in here and you joined his practice at the time? No, he and I formed a practice together. Okay, okay. He was a full-time professor at the law school okay. and he had a lot of interest in, in town. And um, he was the first black law professor at University of Georgia. Wow. So he and I kind of built a bit of a bond when I was in law school because he was minority um, Cuban, you know, so yeah. kind of a natural affinity. Right. And, um, and he was a great guy too. He was a really giving caring person and very willing to share so he i came up here to join him we started a little practice i realized right away he had no money and i just had two thousand dollars and i and that's what we we started, started with. with yeah and i had one car and i was absolutely terrified i was i was i would have taken a job anytime in the Anywhere. first five years <laughs> yeah but but and I, salary. I, and I almost took a job with the trust department of of SunTrust in Atlanta, and I told Larry, and he said, well, I understand if you want to do that, and I'll support you, but I think you're being short-sighted. I think there's a lot more here, and honestly, he he had no money. He had lots of dreams and wishes, and he really, you know, he just he just had a lot of issues himself, mm -hmm. but he, he had a lot of vision, right? and he got me to stop looking at my shoes and start looking at the sky. I love that. I love that. And how long were you all together? 
Seven years. Seven years. Yeah, he, Larry, um, great guy, but had some personal issues that right. I couldn't live with, and so we, we separated. Now, how did you get from having $2,000 to going into, did you all get a bank loan together, a business loan? No, or you I just hate did it borrowing out of cash money. Flow? Cash flow. Mm -hmm. I hate borrowing money, and I refuse to borrow money. So for the first year, we just, we just, did the best happen. we could, you know. Yeah. Somebody would come in the door and say, "I I have four hundred bucks. I need a divorce." I said, "I do them." Right, right. <laughs> and and sometimes I had a, a phone bill. Literally, I would have a phone bill for four hundred, five hundred dollars due the next day, and somebody would walk in the day before, and and pay me, and I could pay my phone bill. Right. So true um, entrepreneur. Yes. Yes. And but but you know, you say that, and it's true. But I'm not really the. I don't have the. Maybe I don't. Maybe I do have the heart, but a true entrepreneur doesn't get scared. Mm. I was I was terrified. I was such a chicken, and and I was I got depressed my first year, thinking we're going to starve to death. I mean, I had no kids. I mean, I don't right. know what I had to worry about, but we I was it was overwhelming. Yeah, it was yeah. just all my fears and all my insecurities yeah. came out, and I thought we're not going to make it here. My partner's black. I'm Cuban, you know, in a white you know, dominated town and, right. and I don't want to be a black firm and, right. you know, those people were kidding. You ought to, you ought to start a restaurant chain called Nacho Mama. And, <laughs> and I mean, I just didn't feel like I, I was uh, respected very much. And I thought, cause a lot of people didn't like Larry. And, um, so anyway, but, uh, we did that. And then the second year, my dentist, uh, that I'd known before I went to Miami, and was very, very kind to me and worked on 12 cavities and, and gave me a, like a payment plan. Nice. It was $300. This is, this is June of 79. Wow. That was a deal, 12 cavities, and he let me pay monthly five and $10 a month. Wow. And I've never forgotten that. That's so, amazing. So, and I'd heard he had some issues and this and that, but I had this horrible toothache and I just called on Lawrence George. I said, Lawrence, I, I need to come see you. I'm sitting in the chair and he says, where are you practicing? I said, downtown, this little building complete with roaches. He said, I'm building this building on Resource Drive. I want you to move in this. I can't afford it. Don't even think about it. He made it to where I could. Amazing. I signed a five-year lease. Wow. And then, then I got a loan at the bank from a great banker, Jay Staines. Many people know him. Yes, He's, we know Jay Staines. He, be, he became, he came to see me. I met him in a Qantas club meeting at seven o'clock in the morning. I don't do seven o'clock in the morning meetings, <laughs> but I went because this friend of mine asked me to go, and I met Jay and got the grip, the handshake, yep, the, the famous, famous vice right. grip, right? And Jay comes to my little office on on Prince Avenue, and and to see me, meet me, and he said, um, "Can you do you need to borrow any money? Can I loan you any money?" I said. You would loan me money? I mean, I, mean, I was incredulous. Like, Are you kidding? Said, Are you sure about that? I said, "Why would you loan me money?" He right. says, "Because you're gonna do really well." I said, "Can you put that in writing?" Because <laughs> <laughs> I was, I thought, you know, in Miami, it didn't matter if you're right. a lawyer or a CPA. You know, you had to have collateral and all that. Here, Jay Staines just—he was at SunTrust First National Bank of Athens at the time, and he he agreed to give me a loan. I said, "Well, I don't want to make monthly payments. I want to." Pay interest every quarter and pay as much principal as I can right. whenever I can. So I borrowed fifteen thousand dollars. Wow! But all this furniture through. And a, at this point, you had separated from the. No, partner. no, no! I was it still, was still with together. Him. Okay. I was still with him, and we got into that building. He let me design. I was an architecture major. Right. When I took county, he let me design my office suite, which is close to two thousand square feet, conference room. I bought all this furniture from a man that had a, a furniture store here in town, Jim Hopkins, who had Hopkins Furniture years ago. Right. And he was in our Rotary Club, and he told me he would sell it to me for his cost plus 15%. Wow. And I bought these leather chairs at retail for three, I mean, for $800. They were $300. I still have them. They're, they're North Hickory. Wow, North yeah, North. yeah, of course. A fantastic furniture, and um, Fifteen thousand. So I, I borrowed. I didn't want to borrow anymore. Of course, so Larry, Larry would have borrowed. Right. Because Larry and Larry borrowed money. Right. And I and I didn't like how he, he handled this money. So I refused to do that. And he said, "We just if we don't have it, we don't have it. We don't eat. You know. I mean, that's what it is." And uh, I paid off that loan as quickly as I could. Mm -hmm. 
and it was amazing the shift after I got this office, and now mm. I looked legitimate. I wasn't right. in some, some little dumpy place with roaches. Established, were established. You know, yeah, and I had nice furniture, up, and, right. you know, and I decorated it really nice, and it was amazing. So has your philosophy changed? Do you now, um, are you still have the same philosophy about not borrowing money yes. and not having, you know, obviously no one wants debt, but you know, one of the beautiful things that we've witnessed, we started our business out of cash flow as well, which maybe your client, you know, yeah. um, but we didn't take any loans. This is, we're building our new space. It'll be the first time that we have a little line of credit Good. going, but nothing else. And we've never, we've just kind of grown organically. And yep. it's been really nice to not have the pressure yeah. of this big, huge loan. Exactly. Traditionally, most business people start with a business plan, a loan, yeah. and then they go forward. Has your philosophy changed over all these years? Or do you still believe in not taking it, uh, not taking a loan unless you absolutely have to? I mean, I have to say, it does make me feel a little bit better now that we've you know, signed this first line of credit. I'm like, it gives me a little sense of, relief yeah. that we have access to something in case of emergency. Yeah. We've never had that before, yeah. you know? So, well, okay. I'll answer that question. A lot of businesses you really can't get into without a loan. Right. You start a, a, a medical practice, you start a dental practice, you start a lot of professional practices, you have to borrow the money. And, and you know, they're pretty safe bets. You start a debt practice. You have to borrow money. You have equipment and all that. So you, you really can't do it. Avoid it. Right. And, um, a law business, accounting, you can pretty you can do it pretty cheaply. Right, you know, computer, a desk, computer, yeah. chair. Get a lot rent, of chairs. I rented all that stuff <laughs> my first year. Right. I wanted to be able to cut and run if I had to leave here. You never know. You never know. <laughs> and and um, so you know, I tell people, look, you have borrowing money, but take it. Don't take it as like the fact that the bank is loaning it to you means you're going to do well. This is, right. you're borrowing money, you have to pay this back. No matter what. And some right. people treat all money the same. Mm -hmm. Borrowed, earned, inherited, they're all the same. Right. And that's a big mistake. Right. And so I try to in, instill that in my clients that look, we need to get this debt gone. Often. First thing we do, instead of, you know, I get my young doctors that I work with, I tell them, I know you have a lot of wants, and you want to buy that big fancy BMW, and you want that big fancy house, and you want all that stuff, just get out of residency, Let's stay in your little house for a couple years. Let's pay off your student loan if we can. Let's, let's knock it down. Then let's let's build your house. Right. And the ones One who've listened have done really well. And right. some who haven't listened actually literally have filed some, I know of some situations where they filed bankruptcy later. Right. In my, at my age, at 65. Right. So your business opinion is still just don't take a loan unless it's absolutely necessary and pay it off as soon as absolutely possible. Don't yes. let it like... You know, don't just let it linger. linger. Don't, don't, don't get used to it. Right. You, we, we live with whatever we get used to. That's true. It's like, it's like when you move into a house and you have a bunch of boxes, you know this, and you put those boxes in, in the room and you don't do anything with them for two weeks. You don't even see them anymore. Right. And you don't take it out. Right. And, and so I said, look, just think of it. This is public enemy number one for you. Let's right. get this thing paid off right. as quickly as we can. So you're... In your new spot on Research Drive at this point, you've just bought all this furniture. Let's go back to the story a little bit. <laughs> and you're in a, with, in a partnership right. and you're growing, you're getting right. clients, business yeah. is going well. Right. And then what? Well, I, I had another partner that I brought on who I, I knew from law school and he was actually Indian. His name was Uday Singh. Wow, what a <laughs> so, group. What a colorful, what a colorful, <laughs> auspicious <United Nations. laughs> beginning we had. Uh, all we needed was a woman. A Jewish woman that would have been, you know, perfect. Yeah, perfect. So, and then I had another guy who went to law school, a friend of mine that I knew from church, and he joined us, and we just went after everything we could just to pay the bills, and right. and I, being a CPA, and and I, I worked in the tax department of an international CPA firm, so I, I was very comfortable with that. That was a good source of revenue. I also did real estate closings for about fifteen years because it was also a good source of revenue at the closing you get paid and it's a um kind of a one and done right. deal uh, more involved than 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 you realize because there's a lot of post-closing things you have to do but it paid the bills mm -hmm. and jay Staines was sending me business and other bankers sending me business and 
it really wasn't my what I really enjoyed, and so after a while, I I just decided I don't want to do that anymore because I, I didn't like I didn't like saying the same thing over and over again. Right. You know, you have eight right. closings, but at the end of the day, you just you have said this stuff so much. That it, you, You're on repeat. Yeah, yeah. On total repeat. Yeah. So so I did a lot of tax work, a lot of tax returns, a lot of tax planning, incorporating people, um, business planning. And those are awesome relationships because you're involved in their business. You're an advisor. You are helping them think outside the box. And you, you, you know, it, it's, it's awesome. I absolutely love it. Yeah. And, and, um, and it makes you really tied with your, your client. And so the tax business, tax return side of it and tax planning side, it's an ongoing. You build right. it and it keeps growing and growing right. and growing. So I did that. And I did, so the two things I did were incorporation, well, I did incorporations and corporate business planning work. I did tax planning, I did real estate, and I also did estate planning. Mm -hmm. So it's a pretty big, It's a big scope, yeah. Scope. And, but over the years, I've, I've honed it down to where the only thing I do is tax and business planning and estate planning right. some probate. Yeah, and that's going to be my next question. A lot of people don't know what a tax attorney is. So okay. tell us a little bit about, like, what do you do for your clients? What services do you provide specifically as a tax attorney? Okay. Tax attorneys, especially if they're also CPAs, which a lot of them are, um, are a great can be a really great business part, partner, if you will. Not, they're not in partnership with you, but a great resource mm -hmm. for clients because especially if they really – involved they really care I come from a long line of business people who uneducated from Cuba but I mean you they got off the boat with barely a shirt on their back and they all got into businesses in New York and Miami have done really, savvy very savvy yeah and thankfully I got some of that some of those genes so I really enjoy business mm -hmm. so um, and I enjoy people yeah. and I have to get to know my client yes and and I really enjoy that yeah um, so, so the as a tax attorney and CPA, I'm, I'm basically advising. So if I have a new client, I'm just trying to understand the business, trying to understand the business model, how how the, how it works, what are the risks, you know, help them think through it, and then uh, set up an incorporation or LLC, and help them set up their books and start doing their tax returns, and you know, just stuff comes up. I felt like when we joined with you that you were helping us kind of a clean up a lot of stuff, just yeah. making sure that we were doing everything, you know, by the book yeah. um, and properly. And one of the reasons that we came to you on the friend of, on the recommendation of our good friend and your client as well, Lindsay Elwood, yeah. was that we wanted we knew that we'd reached maximum capacity of what we could do with our taxes. We were like, we've done this. We're growing fast, and we have to hire someone who knows more than we do. And this has been our year of outsourcing. So we we're yeah. like, we're I'm an interior designer. Graham's doing the business. We need help with everything else, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. And I think it's a big deal to go to someone and to reach out when you have a small, young business. And I think you and I connected very early on because I could tell that you've helped so many people with their business, with their personal situations, everything go forward and really advise them. You're not just a, you don't come in your office and you look at the papers and you go here, do this, this, and this, and we'll follow this form. It's much more of a relationship. Totally. In fact, I, I always have my seating arrangements in my office around a coffee table because mm -hmm. I don't like sitting across a big desk. It's too formal. Yeah. And I like the connection you have when it's, it's more like a living room. Right. So my office always had a living room kind of setting for meeting with people. And then I have my desk and all the desktops, you know, for all the work. And, um, and you know, it, it's a connection too. I mean, when people, you know, I'm not taking new tax clients now because I'm 65. I'm trying to slow down a bit, but I'm, I'm a workaholic. I don't see you so slowing down. I'm a workaholic. So I, I'll probably work till I die. But, but, um, but I just want to work a little less, you know, and yeah. do, do a little more Ride motorcycles, riding motorcycles and traveling. <laughs> um, but um, when I would meet with a new client, I would I would interview them as much as they're interviewing me. For sure. Because it's got to be a good fit. Yes. And if I didn't like the person, if I didn't think I could work with the person, or they didn't like me, I said, look, we're not energy. for each other. It's got to be like an energy it's, connection. Yeah, it definitely. can't be, for me at least, you can show me 
you want to work with us and you can sign the contract and pay your bills, but I have to shake your hand and I have to look you in the eye before yep. I take you on as a yep. client. Because yep. I want to know what your energy is. Yep. Are you a good person? Are you coming from a good place? Are you going to be someone who's easy to work with? Or are you going to be terrible to work with? Yep. You know, so I think that's really true. Do yeah. you think... And one other thing. Yeah. You said with uh, somebody hires a tax attorney, sometimes... You know, young business. Sometimes I, you know, I'm very conscious of what they have to spend. Yeah. And I don't want to charge them a bunch of money up front on stuff that may or may not be necessary. Mm -hmm. We try to do what we need to do, and that's all. And then as they grow, we can expand that. But, right. But you know, I have people walk in the door. And they want to incorporate or they want to do a, a trust and all this stuff. And I ask them why. And then sometimes I say, you really don't need that. You know, if I were you, I wouldn't pay me. To do that right you know you don't need that why, right why do you want to do that and you know it seems counterintuitive but it i really want to do as best for the client you know yeah. and if the client can't really afford to pay me i i, I just tell them i just i don't think this is a good fit the right because, time or yeah yeah, yeah, yeah yeah and i think that's something i also picked up on you and everyone in your firm to be honest was that you're not like, yep, write me a check and we're going to take this. You know, you really listen to my story, to our business story, to what we're doing and really have started to help us figure out, you know, what we need to do for our business and our right. growth, you know. Right. And it wasn't just um, just a slip of a paper and a filling out yeah. of a form, you know. It's, and you've helped us too with, a, you know, we started doing just a little bit with you and now we've come to doing a lot more and now we've given you all our business, yeah. you know. <laughs> well, well it's, it's a relationship. And yeah. I... I genuinely care about every client yeah that's how i, I mean, feel I genuinely do and i genuinely that's rare though oh i know and, and but it's it's a curse and a blessing at the same time because when my clients aren't doing well i'm depressed yes you know when they're <laughs> right. doing great i mean it may not mean anything to me financially but they're doing great i feel like i won the lottery too i know you know and i love to share that victory with them yes when a client calls me and says, oh my gosh, this wallpaper, or every day I walk into my house, or a commercial client calls and says, you know, our store is doing so well because of the design, I'm the happiest. I'm yeah, just yeah. on cloud nine. Yeah, I don't yeah. care about, you know, if we didn't make enough money on this project or not, which Graham would hate to hear me say, <laughs> but um, yeah, I care about my clients and how they feel and what I can do for them. Because you made an impact. Yes. You want to make an impact. Is that the most rewarding part of your job? Oh my gosh, yes. Making an impact. Mm -hmm. Helping people make good decisions. Yes. Helping people. In, I, I've had a number of doctors and other business people that I've worked with cradle the grave. Mm -hmm. And and the most rewarding thing I hear is when they tell me after 25 or 30 years and they sell their practice, they say, Greg, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. You I love guided that. me every step of the way. You kept me from getting into partnerships that I shouldn't have gotten with. Because I just, I just get involved and I interview the person too. I said, this is not going to work. You know, you right. don't need a partner. You know, don't do this. Man, but I have so much work. Partnerships are hard. Yeah. hard. Unless it's husband and wife. And, and, well, um, they're so hard. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, there's some easier aspects of it. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, so that is the most rewarding yeah. thing when people say, you've been with me. You know, you've helped me through all this. And the most complimentary thing that I hear that happens is when the children of my clients hire me. Wow. That's like, that's cool. It like blows me away because I'm going, you're a millennial. I'm an old guy. <laughs> and you want me? <laughs> you're says, not yeah, old. You're not yeah, old. Yeah, you've been great for my parents and you ride motorcycles and you're cool. And yeah, yeah, we want you. I said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So tell me what the most, you've been in business now 40 years? Going on uh, in private practice for 37, in practice for 39. What's, what's the most valuable thing you've learned? Oh, that's a, a big one. That's a tough question. Most valuable thing I've learned. Oh. Vet your clients, I'm sure, is up there. I'm sorry? Like you just said, vet your clients. Yeah, like... vet, vet your clients. Um, there's a few. Can I say a few things? Yes. Okay. Um, I had a client years ago. I was 30 years old. And I went to, to see him in Dallas. I was representing him in, a, in an audit that he had. His wife, ex-wife, had been a big TV producer very very wealthy he had a beautiful art collection and I just went nuts over his art collection and I represented him got him out of a lot of trouble mm -hmm. and he ended up not paying me because he was he was broke but he told me something when I was there because he was a, a um, he did spend some time in China and did this consulting and counseling and I said what do you see in me he goes Greg you're good at what you do 
but you're trying to prove it to everybody. He said, stop trying to prove it. He said, just know that you're good. And and let people figure out. If they, they don't know, they'll figure it out. I love that advice. And I'm telling you, that I didn't get paid a penny, but that advice was worth so much to me because it changed my whole attitude. Mm-hmm. I was 30 years old, 35 years ago, mm-hmm. and it changed my whole attitude about everything. And, and the wow. other... Wow. Isn't that powerful? That's big. Isn't that powerful? And the other thing that I've learned is that people will treat you as poorly as you allow them to treat you. So I tell my clients, if you yell at me, I'm only going to do it one time. Mm-hmm. I won't work with you, and I don't care what you pay me. Right. You know, because I'm just not going to do it. Right. Um, and and you, you have to have a standard for yourself and, and respect yourself, or your clients won't respect you. That's right. The other thing is... For successful people in business, don't lose sight of your marriage. Don't lose sight of your family because I've seen a lot of guys do really well in their business and lose their marriage. Mm-hmm. And then it's there a, will always be work. Yeah. Yes. Right. That's right. Mm-hmm. But they lose their marriage and they end up. You know, it's very financially devastating yeah. to, to get divorced too. Oh yeah. Uh, and hello, and, I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, that's amazing. So, what do you wish? In the beginning, when you started this whole almost forty-year wish, I knew journey. What oh, do you wish gosh, you knew? I know exactly what I'm going to tell you, and that is that I was going to do well. I wish I knew that. I wish I believed that, because I spent so much time worrying, worrying. The first few years, I was so worried and terrified, and and it was actually that guy helped me a lot, and my business partner. Uh, Larry Blunt also helped me. Right. And but I spent so much time worrying. I wish if I had known I was going to mm-hmm. do this well, I would have relaxed. You know, worry is an interesting thing, and we have discussion because my business partner and husband's a big worrier. He worries a lot, and I think it's partly well, he's writing a lot of checks. <laughs> <laughs> and um, when I went through my personal crisis uh, of going through a divorce and you know having to take care of my children on my own and all this, I stopped worrying. I, worry left me. Partly through yoga and meditation, um, but partly through, I knew at that moment I had been through total hell and I was going to get back up and rise again. And I could not control anything. The only thing I control is my actions and my, and, and when I let go of trying to control, like, what if this happens? I used to have this scenario where I would lay down at night and play out like all the worst case scenarios from like worst to best. And sometimes I still do that. But then I'm like, okay, I'm prepared for absolutely everything, yeah. you know? And once you let go of worry, it changes your whole life and your whole perspective. Yeah. It really does. It's amazing. No, no, I know. And, you know, something I've learned over the years, what we fear, we tend to create. So what we worry yes. about, we tend to bring about. Yes, I believe that 100%. Yeah. There's a great quote, which is, you know, it says, like, every morning wake up and say, this is going to be a great day. Amen. I don't know what's going to happen today, but I'm right. open to the possibility of good things. And and some, something else I learned about that, languaging is really important. True. So so when people ask me, how are you, how are you doing? I always say, great. Yes. You know why? Because I'm, I'm telling my body, we're doing great. Yes. Okay? You know, if you say fair to Midland, oh gosh, you're in trouble. If you say it's Monday, <laughs> it's going to be a bad day, it is going to be That's a bad right. day. You have That's already right. put that in motion. And it's not, you know, the Europeans are really anti that. You know, the Europeans hate that Americans will say, because, you know, I live most, most of my life there, and they're like, we hate Americans but when they say, you ask them if they're good, and they say, we're great. How are you? We're great. They said it's super, superficial. Well, it may be in that aspect, but for me, I want to put out the positive notion that yes. I am actually, like you just yes. said, I am okay, yes. and that I'm going to be here with you during our time together and give you positive reinforcement yeah. and positive feedback. I think yeah. it's positivity is... A, a big part of a good life. Yeah, and, and on that same note, uh, I tell, I've had clients that had student loan debts. I had this two optometrists, husband and wife, had student loan debt of $360,000. Ooh, that's a lot. And they told me, we'll never pay this off. I said, oh, yes, you will. If you don't think you will, you won't. But you got it. You have to visualize this. You have to know exactly. this is going to happen. You know what, they, their business, I advised them, even though it meant borrowing money, I advised them to build a building on the property they had, they had bought. They're in, in a, a smaller town. They got a loan in the bank. They built this beautiful building. They doubled their practice. They did so well, they paid off those student loans in four years. Holy chamoli. They wouldn't spend wow. a nickel unless they called me. And they, they wanted a new car, and I said, <laughs> not yet. 
Not ready. I said, when we can pay her student loan off, he has 40000 left, then you can get your new car. I love it. And, and they, so you really are a mentor for your clients. I try to be. And that, yeah. that, you know, they like my, my, my students, you know, yeah. they like my kids. I just, yeah. I, you know, I don't mean to belittle anybody, but that's, I just care that much. You know? And having your outsider perspective with new business owners, and that was going to be my next question. What is, you know, what would be your biggest advice for new business owners? Is it like having that perspective? You know, we're so intense, like Graham and I involved in our business, you know, every move, every maneuver, every choice, it's just like, Oh my gosh, is the right thing? You know, making sure we're on track. And I sure, I'm sure that you have more of an eagle eye when you're looking when we come to you, for example, and say, "Hey, this is where we are. What do we need to do next?" You're able to have this kind of like overview. What I what I tell people is really understand the cash flow of your business. Mm -hmm. Really understand the business model that you have, mm -hmm. and don't lose sight of the ball. Too many people get so caught up in their business and they're losing money and they don't know it because they're so involved and. Like you could, and I know you don't, but you could be meeting all these clients and having a great time and oh my gosh, I love her, I love him, this is awesome, look at look all these beautiful things we were doing, but you're losing money. Right. Because you're not charging appropriately. Right. And don't ever lose sight of the ball. Right. You know, so that's what It is a business, you're here to make money. That's right, that's right. <laughs> In the end, good energy, right. positive vibes, that's great right. connections aside, you're that's here right. to make money. That's right. Um, what has been your hardest lesson in these past 40 years? Wow. That is a tough one. I've been thinking about that my whole ride down my, my new motorcycle from North Carolina. And I'm going to have to pass on that one right now because I don't know. Hardest lesson, I really don't know what to say. What about, you know, for instance, the story you were telling about someone not paying you? Like, did you learn something? Oh, okay. Well, um, less, lesson, yeah, this is, this is good. I, you have to know, sometimes the best clients you have are the ones you don't take on as clients. Because you have to be able to figure this out. And sometimes you have to give people back their money because it's just not worth it. It's not worth dealing with them. You're gonna end up in a lawsuit, it's just not worth it. So those are important lessons. The other, the other one is just to get paid as you go. Yeah. Don't do all this work and then wait to get paid at the end. I, I, right, I believe that fact, for sure. Yeah. Jay Stane is the one that advised me that to get yeah. get money up front, you know. I said, okay, yes, sir, and and I've done it ever since. And so this way, at least if they go away, you, you've gotten something. Yes. So so uh, yeah, that's and it shows a commitment from their side. Exactly. You know that they're really serious. Exactly. We have a lot of clients. Um, we've you know this is interesting. This might relate to you. Anytime a client before they know what we charge starts throwing a check at me, it's a double red flag. Yeah. Don't come in here right with a check ready to go when you don't know how much your fee is going to be. Right. That just shows me that you're not in touch with reality to some degree or the reality of doing business maybe because you never start with a check. Right. You start with a proposal. What are we doing? What's the scope of work? You know. And the second thing is whenever clients are very, very slow to pay, like they're, they want to commit, they want to do it, they want to sign the proposal, but then their check takes two or three weeks to come, that's also a red flag. Yeah. Because as I, as I was saying to you earlier, um, fast pay makes fast friends. Yeah. You know, we're going to immediately start working on your project. We're going to immediately start designing. My head's already going. I'm getting measurements and photos. And the commitment I need from you is to sign the document and to make a deposit, you know. Yeah. Um, and that's something that took a long time. And sometimes people will say to us, I didn't know I'd have to give you any money up front. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> right. And you always have to. And yeah. I, I actually refer to lawyers when they talk to us, like, just like any lawyer, you're going to need a retainer. You're going to need a deposit on your right. project because it's going to be a lot bigger than just your retainer. Right. You know? I'm always real clear about fees. Yes. You can't surprise people. No, I hate surprises. Big, you know, I always tell them up front what I think it's going to cost, what I think it's involved. And and if it's more than we originally anticipated before we get there, I'm telling them, look, this is what's happening. This is what's, what's going to run this fee up a little bit. So really, really clear on fees and really clear on getting paid. Yeah. You got to get paid. Yeah. I think you have to have intuition. Yes. You know, I, I have my mother's intuition. My mother used to look at these children who... I played with when I was a kid and look at their eyes and said, that's not a good one. Don't make it, don't bring it back to the house. I love she that. She was good. She was very good. And I, ha I have that too. And I have a lot of intuition. So, so um, I had one client, a doctor in another town, who was in practice with this much, much older doctor and had a partnership, an a, a employment agreement that was going to turn into a partnership. Mm -hmm. And he had a lot of debt and he had gone through a divorce and up north and... 
he he didn't have two nickels rubbed together, and he showed me this contract and wanted to talk to me about it. He got my name from somebody, and he said, I can't afford to pay you. And I said, oh, you will pay me. It's not going to be very much because I read this contract. This is this is the worst contract I've ever seen. And he was telling me about about this doctor he works with, and I pinned him. I described him. I never met this guy. Oh and my I said, gosh. I said, you are his cabana boy. You will never be partners with him. He will never share the books with you. You have got to call his bluff and say you want to buy the practice now. And he says, I don't have any money. I said, let's worry about that later. Right. Let's see if he's serious about selling. Well, he called his bluff, and then that guy called his bluff, and then he comes to me and he said, what do I do now? I said, and we got figured it out. Found, yes, we, we got an SBA loan. He bought this practice. He is doing so amazingly wow. well. Amazingly That's well. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, intuition is huge. Yeah. I'm a big believer in that. Yeah. yeah. And it can, like we were talking about before, reading people's energy and just shaking someone's hand seeing them in person, looking in their eye, yeah. it's a big deal. Yeah. If someone doesn't look at me in the eye, double red flag. Yeah. <laughs> right away, yeah. When does the soul. When does the soul, that's yeah. for sure. Have you made any big mistakes in your business? Of course. What are some of the mistakes oh, you've gosh. made? Oh, um, gosh. And how did you get out of the partnership? So you, you, you left that partnership in okay. the beginning. That was by the grace of God, <laughs> because my business partner had got himself in a lot of trouble. Got himself disbarred after we broke the oh, partnership. Got himself sued, and ended up, you know, this is all public record. And you know, I hate it. He's been dead for 15 years now. Uh, great human being, but just terrible with his money. And got himself in a bankruptcy situation. Almost got us sued. The company. Was, yeah, our yeah. our firm. Thankfully, we separated right at seven years after we had started together, and. Um, that was really, really awesome. And so the other thing I've done in partnerships, well, in my partnerships, I've tried to, to do them in a way that people are getting paid as, as we go. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? I don't want, we don't wait to the end of the year to split up anything, and we don't right. do it that way. You right. know? And, um, and and you gotta be really careful with partners. You know, yes. you gotta be really careful. Statistically, 50% of partnerships fail. Yeah. 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 You gotta be really careful, because mm -hmm. invariably, one person's going to work harder than the other. Right. And guess what? Or perceived to. Right. That's and, something and I guess what? The person that works harder, it starts to resent the person not working Right. Harder, especially if everything's split 50-50. Right. So I right. advise against that. I say, look, well, how do you make your money? Let's reward you according to your productivity, you know, so you don't end up resenting each other because something's not, not going right. Right. And so um, a mistake of yours would have been to not do this earlier or like what is something that you've had uh, to like work through? Um, I mean, I've made my share of bad uh, investment um, deals and almost really bad and fortunately was able to get out of it. Um, you know, sometimes I could go along with the deal because it looks, sounds, feels right and then I and I haven't done enough due diligence to really mm -hmm. really consider is this worth doing, um, and I've had some clients that ended up being really really difficult that I ended up having to fire and yeah. clients don't like to be fired no and so I try to work it to where they fire me because I don't want them mad at me later right and, you know, get like, sued like, and yeah no I, I'm not worried about getting sued but, well, but I just not. don't want them being. <laughs> Sending all that negative yeah. energy my yes. direction, you know? right? Uh, right. And and so I try to work it where they let me go, or yeah. we do it in a very gentle way. Like, look, we, it's just not working between us. Right. It's not a good fit. Right. So, who's your mentor when you've you know made mistakes, or you've had transitions from partnerships, or you you know have all these different over the years, um, almost forty years you've had in business? Who do you go to when you need to talk something through? Well, it's been somebody different over the years, you know. It, yeah. Uh, Larry Blunt was a great mentor. I mm -hmm. mean, when I was in law school and those first seven years that I was in practice, he was a great mentor. Um, uh, my wife has been a great, you know, significant person in my life because she's kept me grounded. Um, you know, and, I, and I've had clients who are very good in business, and I would run some things by them. Mm -hmm. So I, I, can't, I can't pinpoint right now who would... Be a mentor. I'm doing more mentoring than getting mentored. It sounds like it, yeah. Uh, and um, 
can't think of anybody. Who's your greatest right. It was actually the minister that married my wife and me mm-hmm. 40 years ago. Are you Catholic? No, uh, Church of Christ. Church of Christ, it's okay. A, it's, a, it's a fundamental Bible, you know, okay. just simple. And um, he was the minister when I was a freshman in college, and that was the biggest turning point in my life. And he probably had the greatest influence on me. He, he died last August, just before he turned 80. And we were very good friends, and his wife and my wife were very good friends. And um, it was just it was just a really, he was just a really How did he influence you? He, he was just that man had a lot of faith, a lot of belief. Man of God. He, 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 yes, yeah. and he also thought big, you know? Yeah. He's on a minister's salary, but he, he enjoyed everything like, like he was royalty. Right. You know, I mean, I he, would, he would say the difference between first class and, and second class is usually about 10%, mm-hmm. you know? And I go, wow, that's true, you know? Right. <laughs> and so, we, you know, it was, just, it was just great to be, I like being around people like that. Yes. You know, being I love that. people. And you stayed in contact with him all these years until he passed. Yeah, yeah. My wife and I would go to visit them down in South Georgia and stay with them. And we, we, they're like second parents to us. Yeah. They're about 15 years older than we are. His wife is still alive and she's doing great. And my wife and she are very close. That's wonderful. Do you read a lot? Like, Graham listens to a lot of podcasts. Do you read a lot? Do you read um, business books or have you in the past? Or Yeah, I, I go to a lot of seminars. I... I you know, I mean, a lot of continuing education programs, and I do my share of reading and following up on things just to, I'm very interested in the whole, how things work and how they work really from inside first. Yeah. You know, it's not just about making this business go, but what made you able to make this business go? Right. It wasn't just the business. People say, oh, I'm going to do the same thing because you're so successful. I'm going to be successful. Well, maybe, maybe not. It depends. Look at all the ingredients that went into this. Right. And you know some of the things I see people do, they'll they'll go into business, they have a, say they have a great job, making really good money, but they're tired. They're tired of traveling. They're tired of all the pressure of that job, and they, they tell me I want to start a business. I go, you better really think about that. Mm-hmm. As as hard as that is, starting a business can be so hard, and the money can be so much less than, than what you're making right now. Mm-hmm. You look at your job and go, I wish I had that job again. Yeah. So so. And then I've had I've had people come in where their child or their spouse wants a, a little business, a little store or something. Right. And the biggest advice I give everybody who does that when they start is that decide now, while everything's clear, how much money you're going to lose before you quit, shut this thing down. Because if you don't, and be comfortable with that. Yeah, yeah. Just just have that number. Yeah. Be real clear. Right. If it's fifty thousand, all right. It's fifty. If it's a hundred thousand, right. Decide when I pass that point. That I've spent more than X amount, then it's time to shut it down. Right. You got to shut it down. Right. Because if you don't decide up front, you'll be in it, and before you know it, you're five hundred thousand into it, and you say, "My gosh, I should have shut this down mm-hmm. some years ago." I have clients that, that really don't need to be working for themselves. They need to be working for someone else. Let someone else exploit their talent. Right. And then I've had clients who work with other people, and I say, "Why aren't you doing this for yourself?" And they say, "Well, I never thought about it." I said, "You're really, you're really good at this." You yeah. Know? And that's super rewarding. Yeah. My, my best friend in the world, and it's Mike Shapiro, he's a psychologist, and I, he came to see me about 32 years ago, and he had an incorporation that he wanted me to review because he was going to go and practice with his employer, mm-hmm. whom he could not stand because he thought he was very, very unethical and, and just not a good person. And so he comes to see me, and I'm asking him questions, you know, and I said, so why are you going into practice with him if you don't like him? He goes, well, I can't afford to do it on my own. I said, well, what does it cost to go into private practice? He goes, well, at least $3,000. I called Jay Staines right then. So excuse me. I said, Jay, I've got a husband and wife, psychologist, and they need a line of credit for 30000 He said, I said 3000 I said, 30000 Can you do it? No problem. Okay? Now what? She said, well, I don't have a place... To have, actually have an office, I call. I knew a place right across from the hospital, and Joe Dunnigan was his name. And I said, "Call Joe." I said, "Joe, do you have any space there? How much is it per square foot? Nine bucks a foot. How many do you need? Fifteen hundred. You got it." Wow. And he said, he said he went home. He told his wife, "I think our lives are about to change for, for the rest of our lives." They went into private wow. practice and did really, really. In fact, the other thing I, I asked him, I said, "What do you charge per hour?" He goes, "One fifty. This was thirty-two years ago." I said. 
what can you give me four billable hours a day? I said, I can give you six. I said, but then I'll guarantee you, you're going to make more money than you're making now. And and he's not a business person. Right. Can't even, can't even remember a number, you know. Right. Because he just doesn't think in numbers. He's very word-oriented. He's a brilliant guy and a great neuropsychologist and a great personality. Well, we became great friends as a result. And, I love that and story. And he's, he's done really well. Now he's teaching at a, a medical school. Uh, it's part of the Duke Medical Program in North Carolina, working wow. with, with residents. And he loves that's it. amazing. Love and you know, that's the beauty of also of, of someone like you having connections in Athens and being in Athens is yeah. being able to have that small town environment where you do know the banker personally and you do know the lawyer personally. You do know, you know, all these different people, the real estate agent to connect someone and help people out that way. Well, my, my minister said to me years ago, he said, Greg, you have the gift of connection. I agree with that. You know how to connect people. Yeah. And I don't make any money connecting people. Right. But I happen to know this guy has a car he wants to sell. And this person needs a car, I put them together. This guy has a job, this person needs a job. You know, a million different things like that. And it's so rewarding. And I tell people, look, I'm a great resource. I know everybody. You know, I've been right. here a long time. I know who's got a good reputation and who doesn't. And if I don't know, I'll tell you. Yeah. You know? I love that. I love that. So what is your what is your motto in your life? I mean, we've talked about a lot of things. We've talked about your church. We've talked about, you know, connecting people, having good energy, positive energy. What's your motto? One of my mottos is you have not because you ask not. You have not because you ask not. Yeah, so so don't be afraid to ask. Yeah. You know? That's one. I mean, I'm sure I have, I have others, but <laughs> that's the one that came to mind. I love that. Yeah, we, um, we, I have that personally, you know, and also in business, I'm always telling the young girls that work with us, you know, go ahead and say, hey, I'm calling you to push like a vendor forward. Exactly. Can you do it Monday instead of Tuesday? Exactly. You know, look them in the eye, call them on the phone. Don't send an email. Like go to their office and say, hey, I have a client who really needs this done earlier. If you don't ask, you never know. Well, it's like I would, <laughs> I would have people that owe me money, you know, for a couple months and I go visit them sometimes, This is early, especially early on. I really needed the money right then. I'm sure. And I go visit them, and I, instead of saying, hey, I was in the neighborhood, thought I'd come by and say hi, and then weasel around about what mm-hmm. they owe me. I said, I'm here because you owe me money, and I need it. Yeah. You pay me. Right. And I say, well, by the way, how are things going? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a New Yorker in you. Yeah, it's it is. straightforward. That's true. that's true. I love that. I'm the same way. Everyone always says, like, you know, um, I'm very direct, which yeah. I'm kind of known for, and I'm okay with that because yeah. I'm never going to lie to you or beat around the bush. So yeah. you're going to know exactly where you stand with me, and that's a good thing. Yeah. You know, that's a good thing. So what about right now in your life? So you're not taking on new tax clients. Yeah, I, I say that because I don't take on people that I have to be with. You know, it's not fair to them. I mean, at some point I'm going to die or retire, and I just don't want to leave people in the lurch. So I, I have made it a point that I'm going to take care of my clients mm-hmm. until they don't need me anymore or I can't do it anymore. Right. And Do you I, have 300 clients, 3,000? People I mean, ask me that all the time. I have no idea. I have literally, I have no idea. I don't count. I don't, you know, I'm sure we can figure it out, but why? You know, yeah. I, I just, I just try to respond to whoever needs me and right. they know I will. I mean, they call me, they'll call me at home. I said, give my, my cell phone number. Right. They'll call me at, well, I'm at the beach. They have a decision to make. I get involved in it just because I care. Right. So what are you excited about right now? So you're not oh, taking on tax clients. New tax clients. Yeah. Um, I do take on new project clients if it's a, if it's a single project kind of thing. Um, business project, mm-hmm. business venture or something like that. Um, you, ex- have, you have a new partner. N- no. Who? Jim. No, he's not new. Well, not new, yeah. but like this is this is not Larry. This is a new. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A- he's been with me since 2003. Okay. And, okay. and he's, he's a really good partner. He's not a lawyer, but he's a CPA. And so we share the tax and business practice, business part of our practice together. Yeah. Um, what I'm excited about. I'm excited that my daughter's getting married in September. Nice. That uh, my son's growing up. Yep. That um, we are spending more time at the beach. Which beach do you get to? We have a, a house in St. Augustine Beach. Nice. And we go down there, try to get down there as much as we can. And I'm excited about traveling. I love to travel. I love, love, love to travel, and yeah. especially in a motorcycle. Yes. So I love to travel. Europe. How many motorcycles do you have? Nine? At the moment, I've got seven. Seven. And two Vespas. Awesome. So nine. <laughs> How did you get into motorcycles? Uh, I went to Europe a couple years in a row in 2004 and 2005, 
And in 2004, my wife and I celebrated our 25th anniversary, and we went with our best friends, Mike and Mary Shapiro, to uh, Costa Rica to an all-inclusive resort. Mm -hmm. While we were there, we rented these little Kimco scooters, Fine. 50cc. Yeah. And we, Mike and I got on these scooters, and we took the girls in the back, and we thought that was the coolest thing ever. This is 2004. Yeah. So I thought about it, but I was, I was like, I don't want to ride a something on two wheels I don't want to get killed you know I like sports cars but I don't need anything like this with two wheels and um, it took me two years to buy a Vespa and I bought a Vespa wore all this stuff when I was buying that, which was kind of stupid but that was my gateway drug because right. then after that I bought a bigger scooter with no gears you know and then after that and Mike someone had given Mike a little Honda something two cylinder one cylinder didn't work and he rode it two blocks, and it was like crack cocaine. I mean, he loved it. He and was dying. He and I, and he and I used to ridicule men for riding motorcycles. Right. And he, he and because he said I've seen so many head injuries, and he and I took the course together, the Motorcycle Safety Foundation course, uh -huh. in January, very cold, 2007. And he and I have been bit with this bug, and I especially, I've owned 34 motorcycles now. Holy moly. In 12 years, I've ridden over 200,000 miles. I've ridden in Europe the last six years. I'm riding again this December. Wow. Um, I love it. Yeah. Absolutely love it. Wind therapy, you were calling it. Wind therapy, yes. Clears your I, head. Well, I have to be present. Yeah. In a car, you don't have to be present. In a car, yeah. you can be thinking about stuff, you can be on the phone. Sometimes I don't know how to get anywhere in a car because I'm on the right. phone, right. you know, and I go, oh, wow, I'm here. On a bike, you can't do that. Right. So I'm always thinking at any moment I could be a quadriplegic. At any mm -hmm. moment I could be in a box. At any moment I could be... You get to be hyper aware. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're looking, always looking, looking, looking. It's like playing an intense video game. I don't, I'm not a video gamer, but when I first started practice, there were a couple games. One was Pac-Man. The other one was Gallup. And I had a lot of time on my hands. So I, there was a little little restaurant in Five Points that I used to go, it was Udy's, I think, and I would go there, get a sandwich, and then start playing Pac-Man or, or Gallagher. And I would lose myself in this game. Right. And I said, wow, it felt like a vacation. Well, that's what motorcycling is for me. Mm -hmm. I get on a bike, and I'm not thinking about work. I'm not thinking about anything except looking, looking, looking. I'm like, it takes every sense you have, it takes every part of your body to ride a motorcycle mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. And so I'm constantly doing that. And yeah. you never become an expert in riding. You're always learning. Right. Everything alike. Yes. You know? So it's, it makes me present. Right. And I love that. That's amazing. And I love your passion for your bikes. And, you know, it's so nice because... Yeah, art, too. <laughs> there are. There are. And you're, you're into art as well. Architecture. Yes. And yeah. you just build a home. Build a home? No, I built, I built a, a garage. I, I, Sorry. Man cave, yeah. Yeah, you built a man cave. Yeah. 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 Now, you sold the house that y'all built, and it? Did, did y'all build yeah, that one? Yeah, so it, was a, it was a gorgeous house. Uh, we lived there for 30 years, but it got to be too big. Yeah. And it was just me and Kay, and so we sold it two years ago, and we bought a smaller house in Watkinsville, and then I built this uh, second garage. Garage, my, yeah. My <laughs> and, and I nice. love, my, love my little... My little Tuscan villa <laughs> over there. So do you think you'll continue on in your practice? Are you going to retire? Because, you know, you, an entrepreneur never really retires. Yeah. Even my, my dad, who worked corporate life, uh, he came out of retirement three times because he was the type of person that just loved work. He loved business, and he loved working. Well, I figured it out. I thought at some point I will retire. I can't. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a workaholic. I hate to say it. I feel like I need to go to a program. <laughs> I I love to work. Yeah. I love to help Me people. Me too. And I just I don't want to retire. I feel like lawyers, CPAs, doctors, older the older they are, the more wisdom they have. The more they've seen, yeah. the, the better they can help their clients. It's sure. like what a shame to go sit on a beach, twenty four seven. Not use I, your brain. And, I, yeah. I mean, I'd be very very tan and, and be very. very <laughs> I mean, you're tanned. already a little tan. <laughs> Yeah, I just got back. <laughs> but it's very, very bored. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and so I have to work and I have to play. Yeah. And and that's part of it. Are you working, are you in the office every day, Monday through Friday? Yeah. I eight to eight, or are you more flexible now with your time? And yeah. I'm a worker. So yeah. I show up in the morning, I work out three mornings a week at Athens Personal Fitness from eight to nine with a trainer. And so I get in about 10. Tuesdays and Thursdays, I get in around 8, 8.30, mm -hmm. and I don't leave to about 6 every mm -hmm. day. I, I said to my staff that I'm taking off Fridays this summer. I haven't done it yet. 
That was my goal too. It hasn't happened. Yeah, yeah, because I, I like working when I don't have any appointments so I can get work Yes, done. yeah. So I've been doing a lot yeah. of that. We just started where Mondays, we take no clients on Mondays. We just do internal yeah. you know, meetings and get everything set for the week and that's been a big game changer for yeah, us. Yeah. And then I've been trying this summer to leave like half day Fridays, yeah. um, which I've been able to do actually a little bit um, because someone recently told me, a good friend of mine said, you don't need to be working in your business you need to work for your business and that means now with you know technology and everything i can do a lot of work wherever i am right, you right, know yeah. and i need to be out meeting clients and right. being inspired and doing different things besides just sit in a right. in an office i mean your office is a little bit more inspiring than mine is right now but <laughs> wait till our new space <laughs> yes for sure i want to give a big thanks to greg garcia for being with me today in the studio I love all of his stories and the story that he told about the minister who really meant so much in his life. He wanted me to mention his name was Chuck Lucas and he was someone that really was impactful in Greg's life and he's still friends with his um, wife to this day. So thank you so much for joining us today. We love talking about entrepreneurs. We love having them in our studio and talking about the lessons and the stories and the experiences they've had. Greg has really brought some amazing, incredible stories to our table today, and we really appreciate it. If you need any tax help or help with finances, if you need a great bookkeeper, call Garcia and Hassler Tax Group. They are incredible.